Hi, it's Joe Lowry. Welcome to another edition of Global Lithium Q&A. It was just a couple of months ago that I looked at 2020 with relatively significant optimism demand-wise. Although we're still a couple of years away from major uh, penetration of e-transport globally, uh, we're still making progress and I expected uh, to see uh, lithium carbonate equivalent growth of 35 to 45,000 tons this year. That's all out the window in the face of the global spread of the coronavirus. So today I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to get into uh, uh, some of my comments on, I continue to hear that about China's dominance of the, the battery and, and EV and even lithium world. And uh, I'm here to give the counter argument to that uh, with some facts. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll get into a couple other things, but uh, this will be a fairly short episode. But I thought just because of how fast things are happening, I wanted to give an update. And uh, with that, we'll get into it. My working assumption on the virus impact globally is that we're going to have a one to two quarter scenario where, as is happening in the U.S., Europe, uh, Australia, South America, countries are basically on lockdown. Uh, you know, the optimists in the U.S. think this is going to be a 15 day lockdown. Uh, I don't see it that way. I think uh, we're, we're going to have at least three months. If you look at the uh, infection curves of China, Korea, Italy, the U.S., uh, they're all going along a similar pattern. Not exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm getting uh, some uh, good graphs from a consultant to the NSA uh, who has uh, done some really creative things and, uh, you know, trying to put different countries' current patterns uh, in the context of what happened uh, in China and in Korea. And Korea absolutely did the best job of dealing with this through a combination of uh, public policy and use of technology. So uh, my hats off to uh, Korea for the way they handled the virus. So where, where does that put us with lithium? Um, I looked at a lot of my old data uh, this past week. And you know, the last time we had a, a year where lithium demand went down uh, from the prior year was 2009. And that was a global financial crisis uh, driven situation where Demand for lithium chemicals globally in 2008 was just under 100,000 tons. And in 2008, uh, when we transitioned into nine, uh, there was just uh, an incredible uh, bit of demand destruction. The demand in 2009 was only about 62,000 uh, tons. And to, to put that into context, my number for last year is 306. Uh, there's numbers as low as the high 200s. 
So, I mean, depending on how you count it, depending on how you deal with inventory, uh, demand uh, in 2019 was somewhere between probably 285 and, and 310. Um, so, you know, the market's grown substantially over the past uh, decade. Everybody knows that. So what am I saying? Uh, the, the interesting thing for me, t- too, is I looked at presentations I did over a decade ago when I was still at FMC. Uh, FMC's projection for 2020 demand in their 2010 budget cycle was a little over 250,000 tons. SQMs was well below 200,000 tons. I looked at some SQM numbers for 2030 that were put out in 2010, and they had demand around 350,000 tons in 2030. So a lot's changed uh, over the past decade in in how we view uh, the growth ahead of us. I'm going to postulate here that this slowing of the world economy in 2020 is basically going to put us down into the back into the high twos, mid to high twos. So 2020 could be a very, a very bad year. And what's, what's that portend for the future? I think this, I think this really becomes a blip. I think there is some demand destruction out there, but I think m- more demand is going to be delayed than it's going to be destroyed. That's, that's my, that's my hope. And that's my belief at this point in time. And again, it's pretty early in the game to call that. But uh, I, I talked to people all over the world this week, uh, ask, ask people that are buying lithium what they thought, how, how far down they thought de- their demand would be this year. And a lot of people were saying 20%. So yeah, it's still early and we'll continue to follow this. But uh, I think uh, when you listen to old podcasts, <laughs> if I talk about 2020, and I did one uh, from Tokyo three weeks ago today, and at that point in time, I was thinking, yeah, demand might be, I might, we might have half the growth I thought. Now I don't think we're going to have any growth. I think we're actually going to have a decline because this this global spread of the virus, uh, you know, is it's an unprecedented situation in my lifetime. So. It's, it's unfortunate, but again, I think the, the, the long-term story of global EV growth is intact. I mean, yesterday, uh, you know, or maybe the day before yesterday, Porsche put out an announcement about they're going to spend $15 billion on electrification. And we have all these positive announcements uh, that are still being made. And I can tell you that there's still major companies looking at lithium investment the virus is probably going to delay decisions. Uh, and we've seen in Argentina in the past few days, Lithium America's has had to stop construction at Cachari because of the measures taken by the Argentine government. Uh, how long those delays are at this point, we don't have clarity on. But obviously, uh, a project like Cachari that was was doing very well, keeping their schedule, is, is now going to be put off and whether it's 90 days or 120 days later than they thought, who knows? It's still too early to tell. Um, Liveman had already backed off on their expansion, but as I understand it from uh, people in Catamarca, that uh, the little bit they were doing is is stopped. Um, so we'll see. Uh, 
I talked to at least four CEOs of lithium companies um, in the in the past five days, and I think the the watchword is wait and see. I guess that would be watchwords. Uh, so the the path forward is still unclear. As long as everybody stays home for a while and social distances, and we can flatten the curve, hopefully this becomes a, a 90 day to 120 day economic loss, but I think it does have the ability to, to be more significant than that. But uh, I'm starting to repeat myself now because uh, I, I don't have a guesstimate. I'm not going to put out a number for what I think 2020 is going to be until it looks there's more clarity. But I will say I believe 2020 will be lower than 2019 in lithium chemical demand. And I think that's going to not create uh, a longer uh, low price scenario, I think it's actually going to exacerbate a, a spike in price um, when things get back to normal. And I'm, I'm going to do a separate podcast on, on the whole price thing. So with that, I'm going to move on to another segment where I talk a little bit about China. Anyone who follows the podcast or reads me on uh, LinkedIn or social media knows I'm a, a pretty big fan of one of the major uh, Chinese lithium companies. That would be Gangfen. Knows I lived in China. My kids graduated from high school in China. Generally speaking, I am a friend of China, so my comments should not be taken uh, as China bashing in any way. What I am doing is bashing the narrative that China dominates the lithium industry or China dominates the battery industry or that China dominates EVs. And here's my thinking. First of all, Webster defines dominant as commanding, controlling, or prevailing over all others. So dominant's a pretty strong word. And, uh, you know, we read, it's almost weekly we read another article about uh, China's dominance over uh, lithium or, and it's usually in the context of it's somehow a, a China conspiracy uh, to control uh, raw materials around the world. And, you know, honestly, China's done a great job of having a policy and in executing. Gangfen is a great example of that. Gangfen uh, has, you know, assets in Australia, in Argentina. Um, they have projects in, you know, early stage projects in some other places also. So, um, you know, I get that. But to say dominant, let's let's first of all let's look at let's look at battery. Um, and I am in no way disagreeing with uh, benchmarks. Uh, mega factory uh you know they put out a lot of data about planned mega fa mega factories around the world and uh i mean i i use that information in my presentations but to say a country's dominant in battery when it was just in the past week that benchmark made the first chinese company a tier one um when there's now a total of six tier ones i believe two from Korea, two from Japan, 
and then add Tesla in there in addition to the CATL, uh, China's hardly dominating uh, either the current and in my or in my mind, the future battery world when you start looking at the fact that most of the world outside of China has got a bias towards the high end uh, batteries in the future and EV development will be uh, more around the high end and in China's excelling now in the low to mid tier rather than the high end. So I, I really have, uh, I just think it's a kind of a ridiculous statement that uh, says China's dominant and they certainly don't dominate from a technology perspective because if you look at the battery technology it, it tends to be Japan to Korea to China. And uh, so and you, and you have to throw in the, the Americans who have been involved. And if you look at who won the Nobel Prize, uh, there wasn't uh, the gentlemen were not from China. Uh, and, you know, that's that may sound like just all kind of anecdotal. But I mean, the facts are that of, of the six uh, top tier battery producers, One's Chinese, hardly dominant. When I look at lithium, and again, Gangfen's one of the top four lithium companies, and another of the top four lithium companies is a Chinese company called Tianji. They have had to go outside of China largely for their resources. And, you know, that's that's part of that narrative that, you know, China's gone all over the world and locked up uh, all the lithium. And, and that is hardly true. Um, there are good lithium projects that uh, don't have a Chinese hand on them. And, uh, you know, we're going to see that in the next five to 10 years that as things shake out, uh, China's less um, of a factor than, than they are now. And they're hardly dominate now. And the largest lithium company in the world is based in the city I'm speaking to you from, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes, uh, Albemarle has some operations in China, but their resources are not Chinese-based. Um, SQM uh, really does nothing uh, from a, a production standpoint in China. So um, I just wanted to tell the other other side of the story. And, and finally, when we look at EVs, um, who is the top quality EV maker in the world? It's an American company, Tesla. They have now have an operation in China, but that, that's because of the size of the Chinese market and some of China's public policy around EVs. But I think to bring this back to kind of the, the narrative of the, of the day with the virus, uh, I believe that... Um, a country like the United States now is looking very hard at their supply chains. And I think the thought process now is it's proven to be a difficult thing that a lot of our pharma supply chain starts in China. And I think there's going to be both legislative and just business decisions made to more regionalize supply chains. I think you're going to have a the, the virus is going to cause a bit of a backlash against globalization. And I think you're going to see in the next four or five years, you're going to see a much more regionally focused supply chain. And, and I would also direct you to what Europe's trying to do in the battery space. And that 
a lot of my discussions going back a few years have been many of the battery companies outside of China are trying to, as much as possible, have supply chains that have the least amount of influence possible from China. Again, this is not China bashing on my part. China has a major role to play. And again, I'm a friend of China, uh, more so than I think most Americans right now. Uh, but uh, in EVs, when you look at the future, where's all the money, that, all the announcements and all the money from the BMWs, uh, the VWs, Porsche, you go to other countries, uh, the future does not look like a China-dominated EV industry. If you're listening to this from most of my listening, the, the 50% of my listener base for this is in uh, Australia, the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Germany. Uh, when you look out at your the EVs you see on the road, I don't think many of them, if any of them, are made in China. So let's just stop with the whole China dominance story and just focus on you know, China has their place, very important. But um, you know, if if things shake out the way I think they're going to shake out, you're going to have a you know you're going to have a strong uh, battery segment uh, in in Europe, in the U.S. And the Asian influence is going to continue for a long time, but calling it a China-dominated uh, world uh, would better be articulated as Asia dominates, and that brings Japan and Korea into the story. So I will get off my soapbox now, but I did want to make those comments because I'm just so sick and tired of hearing both the the talk that China dominates and then I'm I'm tired of the China bashing too because China's doing what's right for China and what people outside of China need to do is what's right for them. And the U US has had woefully inadequate policies to develop some of the industries that China's done a much better job at going after. And the same could be said for Europe, although I think Europe is much closer to writing the ship in the United States. And with that, I'll make some closing comments. I'm speaking to you this morning uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina. It is a beautiful spring day. And fortunately, uh, I could go out and play golf if I wanted to, because golf is a sport that uh, has the ability to social distance. Um, but what I can't do is I can't, uh, I can't go to the gym. I can't go to the movies. I can't go to church. Uh, there are a few restaurants still open, but by and large restaurants want to, uh, you to have takeout. And, uh, so life's changed and, uh, it will be a temporary change, but, uh, I hope, I hope you're dealing with it. Well, uh, I, I am just trying to roll with the punches here. Uh, this is um, something that uh, I said earlier is unprecedented in my lifetime. I don't believe that uh, this 
really compares to the global financial crisis or 9-11 or any other event in my lifetime because we have never been asked uh, to, to stay at home, uh, to, to stay six feet away from everybody, uh, to wash our hands constantly. And, you know, none of these are really onerous things in the short term. So we'll all get through this. Um, I am uh, uh, just trying to continue to be positive about it. And uh, I hope you are too. And I hope you are uh, following instructions. Um, I, three weeks ago, I did a podcast from Tokyo And at that time, I probably wasn't taking this whole situation seriously enough. And uh, I had some friends pick up on that from some of my comments on social media. So my my ex-driver in Shanghai and current friend who I FaceTime with regularly uh, took me to task for not being uh, serious enough about how dangerous this virus is potentially. And uh, another uh, gentleman in China, Jingwen Sun, who I've mentioned several times on this podcast and who has actually appeared on the podcast, um, he, he wrote me to and, and, and pretty much said, hey, you know, you got to take this seriously. So kudos to you guys for putting me in my place. And I am now taking this seriously and I am complying with what I'm asked to do. And I hope everybody listening to this does, too. We'll get through it. The lithium market will get through it. Uh, but there is going to be some pain on the way to getting there. And so I am going to wish you a good week at home. And uh, I will talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.